you to make contracts with me? This week, we're going to deconstruct futures contracts. What do I mean by that? Well, we're going to do a deep dive on all of the minutiae and technical aspects of futures contracts. Many of my clients struggle with that when they first learn how to trade. And I get a lot of questions from potential clients about these things. So I thought I'd just cover them in a podcast and see if it clears up some of the confusion. All right, I'm going to break this out into a couple of different categories. And the first category is types of futures contracts. There's a whole bunch of them now. Just some little historical information. The way futures were first uh, created was in the agricultural market. So let's say you were a farmer, you were raising corn, and you had a bumper crop. So you took your crop into the grain mill. And uh, because crops were so good this year, the price of corn seed is very, very low. So you went in, you sold all your corn, and then you purchased a futures contract to buy seed for the next season at today's price, or maybe even a couple of years out. So that in the future, if there was suddenly a terrible crop and the price of corn seed went way, way up, you had a contract to purchase that corn seed for whatever the low price was from the bumper season. That's where it all emerged. And then, of course, the Wall Street guys got involved and realized they could arbitrage these things. And hence, the uh, mercantile exchange was formed and futures started trading on the markets. Anyway, there's a bunch of different types of futures. There are currency futures, which is what I trade predominantly. Um, There are metals like gold, silver, and palladium. There's futures for that. There's energy futures like for oil and natural gas. Uh, Fairly new are crypto futures if you want to trade Bitcoin or Ethereum or things of that nature. There are commodities, which is probably the things that you've heard of the most in the past, like pork bellies and things like that. There are futures for indexes like the S&P 500 or the Dow. There are futures for the treasury, like the 10-year treasury note, etc., things of that nature. And they come in a couple of different shapes and sizes. There are, there's usually a micro contract, there is a medium contract, and there's a large contract. And I'll explain why you should care about that in just a moment. So, the next category that we want to talk about is cost. How much does it cost to trade a futures contract? Well, this is where I really like futures because it's so easy to understand. So in order for me to trade, let's say Bitcoin, because those are, you know, uh, cryptocurrencies are real popular with the young folks these days. So if you wanted to trade a Bitcoin future, you have two um, flavors you might change trade. You have the large contract for Bitcoin, which costs you $48,163 per contract. And that increments per tick at $25 a tick. So that means that if the market moves four ticks, you made $100 on that contract. Now, obviously, there's not a lot of people that can afford a $48,000 contract. So What the futures exchange has done is they've come out with a variety of what I call micro and medium range 
uh, contracts. So you can buy the Bitcoin Micro for $957 a contract, which is much more affordable. And that moves at $1 per tick, okay? So you're not getting the huge moves like you would on a large contract, but at least you can trade it. Um, and it gives you the opportunity to experience what it's like trading cryptocurrencies. Now what I trade is the Euro, and the Euro comes in three flavors. There's the Euro Micro, which costs $349.80 per contract, and that moves at uh, $1.25 a tick. There's the Medium contract, the E7, which will cost you $1,740 a contract to trade, and that moves at $6.25 a tick. And then there's the large contract, just the 6E, which will cost you $34.98 to trade per contract, and that also moves at $6.25. So for me, I think the medium contract's a better value because you get the same movement of ticks, um, but you are paying about half the price for that particular contract, all right? And then it it's just different for every other future you may want to trade you just got to look up and see what the prices are going to be for uh, that particular uh, contract the next category I'm going to talk about is the actual tick value I mentioned that in the costs of the contracts but depending on what you trade so for example the E7 um, the increment of tick value that actually moves up and down on the trading ladder is 0 0.0001. Whereas if you looked at like something like oil, the uh, the ticker for that is forward slash CL, the tick value up and down the ladder is 0.01. So think of it as more of a level of precision. There's a lot more notches you can go up in the E7 before price moves a lot. Whereas if you're trading oil, since it's only uh, 0.01, the price moves very quickly. I guess the way to think about this is if you want a wild bucking Bronco uh, trade oil because price is going to move very fast and very high or low. Whereas with the E7, it's a much smoother ride. It's like a you know, it's like one of those pony ride places, horses that goes only at one speed. Uh, so you have a lot more ticks before things start to go crazy on you. And then I wanted to talk about the next category, which is leverage. So if you think about this, and let's use the Euro as um, an example. If I'm trading one Euro contract every time it moves a tick, I make $6.25. So like I said, if it moves four ticks, uh, I make four times $6.25. But if I'm trading two Euro contracts, now every tick is worth $12.50. Three Euro contracts, every tick is worth $18.75. Four Euro contracts, every tick is worth $25. So here's the deal. If you want to leverage up you can make more money by trading more contracts. And if you have a strategy that is only capturing a small amount of ticks, let's say you're always only trying to get anywhere from four to 10 ticks per trade, you can incrementally 
uh, expand your potential for profitability simply by just adding contracts. So you can make a lot of money by trading more contracts and capturing smaller movements of price, which is a strategy a lot of people use. Now you have to be careful because this, this blade cuts in both directions. You can obviously lose a lot of money very quickly as well by trading multiple contracts. So you have to have some kind of risk management strategy in place in order to do this, okay? So keep that in mind. Final category is the expiration date of these contracts. These contracts are, in fact, contracts. And if you've ever traded options, you know that there's an expiration date on an option. It's very similar in the futures market. There's an expiration date on futures. And basically what that means is a couple of things. In the old days, if you had a oil's future contract and you forgot about it while you were trading and it expired, it would not be uncommon to have a tanker truck show up in your driveway. Now, obviously that doesn't happen anymore, but that's the craziest version of what could happen. These days, the reasons that you want to pay attention to the expiration date on a futures contract is a, is a couple of things. One, when you get near the expiration date, the volume drops dramatically on that contract, meaning people aren't trading it anymore because they knew a new contract's going to come out over the weekend. And when volume drops, liquidity drops, so it becomes hard to get in and out of those contracts. Okay, but really, the thing that you you, you want to you want to worry about is the is the volume drop because it's just going to be harder to trade that particular um, instrument. What you want to do is you want to add a reminder or an indicator to your chart that tells you your contract is close to expiration. I use Thinkorswim, which is in the Ameritrade package, and they have a setting you can just set, and it puts a big red line on your calendar and on your charts that shows that the contract is about to expire. So you don't even have to worry about that. The other thing is the broker themselves will, they don't want you to be in that contract either. So they're constantly sending you text reminders and emails and even phone calls to tell you it's time to get out of the contract. So it's pretty hard to screw that up. But that being said, I have done that once or twice. The only problem is, is there becomes a big disparity in the price between what the new contract is trading at and the old contract is trading at. But I've never had a problem getting out of it. I just had to get out of it. It was kind of a pain in the butt. And then start trading on the new contract. So just be careful with that. All right, enough about futures contracts. Let's talk about the market. And I'm going to focus specifically on one thing this week, and that is the job market because I smell a rat. All right. We posted this ginormous uh, green good number on Friday for the jobs market and something just does not make sense. So I did some digging and here's what I came up with and I'm going to try to make this easy to understand. So the job market that you hear about all the time is basically consists of two things, the household number and the establishment number. The household number is 
collected by the census and it's approximately 60,000 individuals. So people like you and me, are you working or aren't you working? Okay. The establishment number, on the other hand, is collected by the Bureau of Labor Statistics, which includes all the non-farm and government agencies. And they do it based on payroll numbers. So if you have more than one job, let's say you got a side hustle or two or three, um, they count that as a whole another job. So one individual would get counted multiple times. So one of the things that really jumps out is that the household number has been stuck and hasn't moved much since March. As a matter of fact, it is showing a loss of 168,000 jobs. Now this trend has persisted into June where the Bureau of Labor Statistics said that the U.S. labor force saw a 71K drop in full-time workers, but that was offset by 384,000 gain in far lower paying part-timers. Okay, so that sort of makes sense. People are losing their, their main gig and they're having to pick up, you know, jobs at McDonald's to make ends meet. So here's my conclusion. There really are fewer people working but more people are working more than one shitty job. And this rotation has picked up in intensity since March. And it's only getting captured in the household number. The establishment number is not reflecting this. And your government leaders, i.e. Sleepy Joe, is gonna be in your face like you know, no tomorrow telling you how wonderful these freaking job numbers are. And they really are not. This is all about politics. This is all about the midterm elections. So do your homework, stay educated, look at these things. These guys are feeding you a load of crap. Anyway, that's enough pontificating on that. Don't forget, please check out Ask Me Anything link in the podcast description. If you have a specific topic you want me to cover in the podcast, or if you just want me to ask me a question about trading, please click on that link. It records a little message that I get, and I can respond right back to you. Check out our affiliates. We have an affiliate for designing your own trading system. We also have an affiliate with a product to help you lose weight so you can stay fit and be a great trader. Check out the free IntelliTrade Quick Start Guide. Visit the website and go into the shopping uh, link and you'll find it there. You can see how this thing is going to work when it's available. It will be available by late August. So keep your eyes and ears open for that. And last but not least, please subscribe to the podcast if you like it. We're starting to see our numbers grow and that makes me happy. And I want to keep doing this because I'm getting a lot of good positive feedback from people on this. All right, that's it for me. Over and out from Bill. Have a great week. I will talk to you next week.